Hello and welcome to the Bull Mountain Brothers Podcast with your hosts, Ramsey Rutschke, Riley Rutschke, and Sean Morris. What is up, everybody? I'm back here with the boys for one of our favorite segments, a little bit of Wall Tent Chronicle for you guys. Oh, Wall Tent Chronicles for your ears. Always bangs. It's very Every good. Time. Always nice. And we're back with Josh, too. Josh is here. For some more stories. Happy to be back. He's... Josh has more time on the mic now than uh, probably all of our Than me on the first you know, but podcasts. We started a good tradition, though, I feel like, because we're like, we'll have... I mean, like, we talk about our whole, like, restructure of how we're really going to do things and where it could be us three, could not be us three for four or five months, whatever. But I feel like we we do well because Wall Tank Chronicles are obviously a banger of an episode. And the guys that we bring on for an episode, a regular episode, are amazing guys that come on to Wall Tank Chronicles, so we just take advantage. Everyone, you have a... a- arrangement of different voices and different stories yeah we're gonna run out of stories if we don't have more people in here oh i don't think i could ever run out of stories (laughs) i don't think so either i think that's the best part about this if we don't live on wall tank chronicles will always live on (laughs) (laughs) i can tell you a story about whether there's a microphone in front of us or not you know what okay i'm gonna tell this actually you know what i had to do the other day at my my job that i'm doing now no i had to load a i'd help the homeowners load a, a, a ram into a dump trailer to go take it to market to sell. Oh. Did you get paid for that? No, I just was there. You asked me. They, were, they needed help. and Like an interesting experience. So really. Nick and I hopped in, and they it was kind of funny. They had a little, I mean, they had their, their pasture was obviously fenced, but he took the gate down and had backed the dump trailer up to it and then made out of, like, chicken wire, like a nice little chute, essentially. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a lot of, that was... I mean, this thing was like three, four hundred pound ram trying to load into a dump. And we had a little OSB ramp into the dump trailer. <laughs> it was a good time. That thing was definitely sizing me up. Just Sean versus like, I want to headbutt this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sean is known back in his more wild days to, to throw a headbutt. Big headbutt guy, huh? Yeah, I, I, you really catch him off guard when you headbutt him. You do. I mean, I almost got thirty game suspension for in in hockey. For no, me. you did. No, in hockey, almost. I'd like to see you do. I've that. seen a lot of hockey fights. I've never seen a headbutt. <laughs> well, here's Josh. Headbutts don't usually happen. Yeah, I hold the only record for taking my skate <laughs> off and stabbing. You don't really have to worry about that when you do tennis and golf. <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa! Are you trying to? What is the word? I'm yeah. Whoa! I was not sports shaming. I was just kidding. Here's what we're gonna do. Riley has a very perfect story questionnaire slash style of story that he wants us to answer and okay. talk about. Since we have Josh on, Josh is the uh, nominated best friend of the podcast. We're gonna do. Everyone in here has to tell a story where at least one other person in the room was with them. And we're going to start with Sean Morris. Mm. Starting with me, really? Every time. <sighs> well, I suppose I, uh, I better tell a story about uh, a little hunting with old Ramsey here. Oh, jeez. Ah, a little hunting story. Here we go. 
That had started. When did we first go hunting? Was it 2018? No, it was later than that. 2019? No, it was 2020. 2020, really? Yeah. So Ramsey and I made a tradition over the years that we do a, a shoulder season elk hunt on my birthday weekend. Um, kind, of, kind of a side note. Which lucked out, you know, though, because the last two years it's been on a weekend. So what are we going to do when it's on a Monday? Yeah, there's no shoulder season this year, so. I guess that's true. That's true. Ice fishing. Are you sure? There is, just not for. Uh, I think the tags are just different. Possibly. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Do it. But anyway, so we decided, because I think that year my birthday was on a Friday, correct? It was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was I, on Saturday. I so. came out to their place Friday night, and we had dinner, hung out, probably did something along the lines of get ready and drink beer, drink sure. beer and mess around in the in the shop. Uh, we went ice fishing Saturday. Went up to a a lake where it was a hurricane force winds. And to the point where you're trying to not get blown 50 yards from the ice house when you get out of it. You had to take your baggy clothes off because it pretty much... (laughs) It was a wind sail. You should have seen us like putting the tent or putting the ice shelter up and taking it down. Because like you had to do it into the wind. Because if you didn't do it into the wind, it would just like catch air and pull you across the lake. Because neither one of us had... Any any grip. Because we didn't have spikes. We were both in muck boots. And the thing was, is like everybody, I mean, everybody in this room, and I'm sure a lot of people listening know how easy it is to take down a pop-up ice house. Um, I mean, literally, it's just pop four sides, pop the roof. Is this guy for real right now? You know. I'm going to start tallying over here on the edge of my table how many times you move your He's fucking like, microphone. I only, I only did this because we talked about it earlier. Anyway, sorry, Sean. Like I was saying, though, I mean, you, you two know how easy it is to pop an ice house down, like a pop-up ice house. Oh, yeah. It's not a sled, but whatever. And it's like we had to be strategic because normally when you do it, you're like, you're like, yeah, whatever side, you know, pop, pop, uh, you know, whatever, get her down. But we had to be like, we had to think like on our toes, be like, okay, wind's blowing this way. We need to pop this side down first, then the roof, then this diagonal corner. We have to put the door this direction. <laughs> Whose ice hunt was it? Sean's. That no. was the first time we ever used your new one. No, that was your brand new one. That no? was your, yeah. I didn't have it yet. Yeah, you did. That, was, was, that was the, literally, you bought it when we when I bought my tag at Cabela's. You bought that ice house. No. Oh, he bought I, it from. I bought it from a friend. A friend. Then it was mine. <laughs> it, it was mine. Um and so that was just it was just rough we were there for three hours didn't catch any fish you know the wind was bad and we moved on came back probably did what we did Friday night decided to go up and uh is that really your picture for Nick's contact (laughs) (laughs) Nick Reed if you're listening you have a beautiful picture on Sean's phone (laughs) uh so we came back and decided we were going to go um, go elk hunting the next day because I had bought in that uh, uh, shoulder season elk tag. And uh, so we went out and whose phone is 
buzzing, Riley. That one was mine. It was PayPal. Paid ten dollars to Facebook. What the hell? Um. And so we went out, and pretty cool story is we we didn't really see any any elk sign or elk track all day. And I mean, you two know this property that when you don't see anything for a good chunk, it's kind of a slap in the nuts, essentially, you know, where you're just, do we keep going? Is it worth it? You know, cause it's such a, it's such an up in the air, you know, place to, if you don't see anything, I mean, I guess this goes with everywhere, but at the same time, I feel like there's places where I go, you know, I didn't see anything here, but I can go, you know, another two miles and I might, there's a good chance I see something, but so we didn't see anything, and we got to a point where we were turning a wide corner in the ranger, um, which we were graced with private land hunting, so we had that opportunity. So we turned a corner, and we were dropping into some big, like, bowls. Um, and we saw an elk track, and, you know, we kind of looked at each other like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, it looked old. It had hard snow around it, whatever, and kept going about another 15 feet and then saw another one that – or. I, I should say multiple because it wasn't just one. Um, and we kind of turned and actually made eye contact with each other. And we're like, holy shit. That's like right now. I mean, that is a fresh elk track. Kept going another about 15 yards and 40, 50 head of elk came running out of the tree line and I mean, at probably 50 yards from us. And, you know, we got out of the ranger, made a plan on a stock. I think we only maybe moved, what, maybe 175 yards from the ranger to the right, I would assume. I mean, we didn't go very far. No, and, and, I mean, Ramsey got down ready to shoot, and, I mean, I, I kind of made the decision after it was like I got there later than he did, and he he was down and had a perfect lane, shooting lane. There was nothing in his way. The cows kind of balled up. Bulls were balling them up. There was one lone cow off to the right, a little higher than they were, and Ramsey had a good shot on her, took it. You know, it was a good, clean kill, one shot, and Ramsey got to harvest that animal. Um, safe, safe to say there wasn't an opportunity to double up. To get two cows. It's if, tough to say because... If, if there was, we missed it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, because the thing was, is so when I say they balled up, essentially, when I from my shooting lane that I had, Ramsey was down. I mean, it was like nothing in front of him, and he was almost, peril, or almost level with that cow. Uh, and she was probably in a spotting scope 10 feet below the the high line of that hill so it was a you know perfect shot right into the hill and for me when i essentially got there i pulled up on a tree and i had a split second of a shot on a cow that was on the lower left side where the bulls were kind of running down and back up and i mean she was kind of alone um there was I mean, honestly, if I relay it in my head, there was definitely an attempt that I had, and I could have made a good ethical shot if I 
you know. So much movement, though. There, I mean, there was. I mean, you're looking at 40, 50, four-legged animals moving yeah. around. So Overall, you made the ethical decision not to shoot, though, really. If you but the thing is, is I'm but between the three of these guys, I'm, I'm kind of like the over-ethical guy. So who knows? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, hey. I kind of read too much into it. I'm kind of a mom, too. No, I'm saying... Gets in his head sometimes. I, like me personally... You guys always give me crap for being t- like I'm. Th- I think about it a little too much. I feel like, and I don't. I don't think about that. I do have a good shot. I do know how to shoot a gun. I have shot my gun, and I just don't take the opportunity. And I. I mean, I. Ramsey tries to tell me as nice as I can, nicely as he can, but honestly, he should just tell me. Why the fuck didn't you just shoot? Because you had a good ethical <laughs> shot, and I still I'm relaying thousands of things in my brain. You know, because I've never pulled the trigger on an elk before, so I, you know, I. Yeah, you want it to feel perfect. I know. If it doesn't feel right, no problem not shooting. Kind of messed that up for you this year. <laughs> not really, because I was already in my own head, probably. But I mean, I had I, I, back to your question, Josh. I had a split second in my mental capacity at that time that I could have pulled the trigger, which probably was longer. And I probably had a shot. Um, the second point was after Ramsey had shot, um, when we knew that cow was down, the herd kind of moved off. But, I mean, they were not in a hurry. I mean, they did not act like elk. He shot the lead cow probably. That's what you're thinking. I mean, there's a good chance. But, I mean, the way they were herded, it was odd. Yeah. I mean, it was they, they, I feel like they really didn't even know where to go before he shot as well. It was also a super goofy bull in there, too. It looked like a mule deer. Seriously, but it was a six-point. Yeah. Like, it looked as wide and as tall as a mule deer, but it was a six-point bull. And then there was another one that, like, had a perfect four on one side. And the other side, it was, like, turned sideways and went straight back. Really? I wonder crazy. if that's an area for weird bulls. Remember that bull we saw during regular season this year that was black? Yeah. Were you there, Sean, for that, or was it Garrett? No, yeah, was there I was there. That. Yeah, yeah freaking bull. It was like a like a I don't know, like a three point raghorn, and like the color of his fur was like dark, dark, dark gray to almost black. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that has to do with like the drought we had this year. I don't know, but he stood uh, like because he was in a herd. What they count like twenty seven elk. In the oh yeah, you're standing right next to like a fucking three hundred and sixty inch bull too. <laughs> If monster not bigger. Yeah, so it wasn't like he looked bull. weird. It was like, well, I'm comparing it to a normal looking elk, and he just is. Yeah, black. no, he was just. It would have blown your mind too. You, you I, I've never seen anything like it before either. I've seen him where, like, during the rut, where they get muddy and they like look like a moose. But that's oh, just because yeah. no, he was as dark as a moose. That was what I would most closely describe it to. Like, like his his or yeah, it was a it was a bull. Yeah, his ass was like gray. And then his chest into his shoulders was like a dark, dark, dark black. Like, it was crazy. Almost like a beef cow. It was weird. That color. Because it was like, to the point, because they were what? They were pretty 600 yards from us. And, I mean, looking through through glass at him, you, that was the first thing your eyes went to. That'd be cool if he's still around this year. You get some pictures of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a shitty thing. It's like, this wasn't like, I mean, okay. The podcast I feel like you can't blame thing. yourself though, because every time that we see elk on that property, it's like that. Yeah, you're. I mean, because we were deer hunting. I mean, yeah, we were both hunting. But and then I remember because it was, what was it me, you, and Garrett? 
And we all like ran out. And I'm like, oh, they're like 300 yards. Because all we had seen like for the first two weeks was mule deer. So you're used to like how big a mule deer looks at 300 yards is what an elk looks like at 600 yards. And like Sean kept ranging. He's like, it's 650. I'm like, bullshit. It's not 650. They're not that far away. Then finally he's like, here, you take the goddamn range finder and look and look through it. I was like, oh, it's. But preference that yards. you you guys only had cow tags. So it was not like. Right. I, I didn't even right. pop out because no. it was just like, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, there was, there was, enough it was cows a long in the herd. shot, though, to get them to, to a perfect shot. It almost area. worked, though. It did. They were going the right way. If they would have crossed and stopped, one of us would have got a really good shot. I, I guess tell, to, tell give the situation. Him, yeah, to give them a, a backstory, is we were coming up a section of property where it's it's it borders. flat. It's it's not flat, but the not, it's a typical pasture farm field where. Rolling hills. Right. It, it rolling hills for a while and then it flattens out and then right next to the timber. Right. And it's, yeah, the timber would be to, I mean, the direction we were driving and on the right side, which we did not have permission to hunt on, which they had definitely came out of it. Cause that, that section actually had timber closer to us as the section that we were allowed to and what we were, what we were hunting on. And it was planted alfalfa. That's why yeah. they're in there. Right. And that was the the craziest thing was, I guess, that, I mean, that's a good story about the three of us. Um, the craziest thing is, was it Warren that spotted the horns over the hill? Yeah, like that's all I could see because they were like, and we we went, kept going back to this spot because it's the only place we'd seen elk all year. And every time you go back, there was animals in it. Well, it's because they can't be seen where they're at on this property because we're talking about these rolling hills. Well, I don't know. There might have been like low level water in there too. I don't know. But you could only see them at a certain vantage point because the hill dipped way down. And so they were like kind of in a saddle to where you could only see them if you got to a certain point. Right. And dad had saw two, like there was what, like two raghorns that you could barely see? He says, he said deer. And I looked over and I'm like, it's a really big deer. Right. And then like, I think I was the first one. The binoculars, I took, looked through, and I was like, "Those are elk." And then I was like, "No, those aren't elk." Oh, so then you guys grabbed like the spotting scope and all your rifles, and, right. like, and I was like, up. "Oh yeah, it's definitely." And, and we could Dad only and I got, see what four of them. Well, Dad and I then went like up to the left a little bit, and we sat there with the binoculars, and you could see. I think there ended up being like thirty elk, but there was like four four bulls that you could see first that like that could pop out, and you could see right away, right. and then. You saw the whole herd, and then you're like, "Oh, oh my God! This is the biggest bull I've ever seen on this property." I think I would I would say that that was probably top two biggest bulls I've ever seen in my life. He was a monster. He was, and he was just he was a typical is that the one. The one you saw on the way to Washington? No, wasn't. He was just a huge typical seven, like just oh yeah, monstrous. Was, if he made it through the year, he's gonna be. Did, did you see him several times or no. just, just, one just, time? just that one time? I don't even think we saw any because that was the herd with the the, the black the, the black elk oh. yeah. black one in there yeah. and that's why we like didn't take pictures of the black one because we were just watching this giant bull the whole time. I honestly <laughs> though, you know what? I think Ramsey and I might have seen him in shoulder season when we that first day that we went out that on my one? birthday weekend. That yeah, could've. I we think we did because there that was... that was all we saw that opening day is we saw them well we saw cows crossing with them but we never saw the cows but we ran into twenty five twenty five thirty bulls bulls just in a tree line just standing limbo and we kind of just crept up on them and got to a spot we were like two hundred fifty yards from them and 
we just watched them, you know. And then I think I don't know if we spooked them or if they were just ready to get out of there because they weren't spooked. They weren't in a hurry, and they started going up up the hill and over the and over the other side. But then a bunch of bulls came out of that lower section that we couldn't see because it was so thick with a bunch of cows. No, there's no cows with them. Are you talking about? Uh, are we talking about the original story here? No, that was this year. No, ta- no, we're, that was uh, that's. I was going back to Josh's question because I think we did see that bull again. Oh, okay, okay. Makes you wonder, like going back to our last podcast we did when we were talking about resident elk. Like, if you're only seeing those bulls once, maybe twice, like are they moving that much or are they just good at well, disappearing? I don't really there's think so they much have area anywhere they can to go. go. Like yeah. back and forth, and there's some Honestly, big heavy though, cover I, in there, so they could just disappear. I don't know how far they really go. We should take Josh to that spot next year because I don't think we've taken him. It's just it's this extra like different section on the property, and behind the alfalfa field is just a giant badlands, like just mad thick. like thick like roll like it's oh. just one dude's property. So they go. I think they just go down there, and if they find yeah. water, they don't come up unless like I think they're eating on that alfalfa. Well, because it was sure. it was almost dark right that we saw him. Yeah, and but to kind of go with your question, Josh, like uh, Ramsey's buddy lives in the town by where all this is and so he'll hunt every single morning and he would chase elk this is probably why the elk this is legit why the that's funny he's calling you right now uh i think this he's probably the reason the elk are moving around this property so much because he'd have all this uh Every morning he'd find like 200 elk, and then they, he'd watch them go over to where we hunt with you before, mm-hmm. and they would cut. And they, I think they're just circling all that that whole section. So they live in there, they just move around. A yeah, lot. but I think you'd have to be. I don't know. We got some. We got Ramsey got one uh, bull on the camera for archery season that he saw like yeah. three times. So maybe I don't know. Maybe once they rut, maybe they peace out. I don't know. Well, the thing is, is I I've, I've had the the argument with the landowner that they winter there, and <laughs> he's fully he's. Fully convinced that. that they don't. And what do you think about this, Josh? He just doesn't see them there, or what? He, every time he like laughs in our face and says the elk don't winter here, but would would that be? I feel like I could ha- counter argue with him about the fact that they found three sheds in there this year. With the agriculture, like the little bit of time I've spent on that ranch, there's a lot of agriculture. I would think they'd winter there. Yeah, that's what we think too. Because I feel the- like water out there really is not as difficult. To get to is no, as people make it out to me. No, there's so many. No, the fucking such an egg area. The most farmers and ranchers have to keep their water open for their cattle. Well, yeah, and I I understand like on that south end, like it's kind of dry, and like your main water source is like natural springs. But you go like five, ten miles north, and the river is running right through there. You know what's crazy too is like I mean I know we've talked about this before, but I but like I want to talk about this with Josh a little bit is so. Your elk spots that are that you have, if you find a new source of water in that area, most of the time you would see big game life moving through that water source, correct? Yep. So <laughs> wow, Riley, that was a who the that was a Blame it on everyone else scenario, right? See, now, I'm, <laughs> Look at everybody. It's going to be funny on the podcast because I'm actually going to edit that out, but it's it's Matt. It's Matt calling us in oh, the, wow. the podcast. Way to go, Matt. Answer. Come on. Get him on the podcast. <laughs> Here, I could do that. I could yeah. do that. Hang on. Oh, he hung up. I call him back. Uh, anyway, finish what you're saying while he calls him back. Yeah. Maybe not. It might no. be quicker than that. You're live on 
Yeah, but it's still it's Sorry, I forgot you were filming, buddy. Yeah, we're on the podcast right now. Well, sorry, buddy. You're right in the mic right now. Is there anything you'd like to say? Congratulations to the turkey hunter. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're recording this podcast with Lynn like 30 minutes after we uh, just uh, drew for our turkey raffle. So Yeah. So yeah, first time hearing Matt's voice on the podcast. Yeah, it sounds uh, sounds decent. You have a decent radio voice. He's got a face for radio, though. That's a first. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll call you later. All right, bye. All right, bye. Also getting edited out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like one thing I wanted to bring up with Josh was like, so when you. Like if you uh, the elk spots that you have burned into your brain that you've been to a million times, and s- say you go a little farther one direction and you f- you find a new water source, you see big game animal track through there, right? Yeah, doesn't matter what water you find. There's always some sort of sign of animals. They, which is they just use it. Which is super weird because I mean we found at least one to two this year on this property and. I mean, we're always looking for new spots to put trail cams up just to get ideas of where animals are moving through. And, I mean, this is a – it looked clean to me. I don't know about you, you two, but it it looked clean, right? Well, it had to be. It was a fresh spring. Well, I think it's because it's out in the open, Sean. That's the only thing I can come up with. It drops down, though. That's thing. Like, that that whole bowl there that's thick with trees is – it flows to that. So why wouldn't – and, I mean – as I'm saying, Josh, there was literally no tracks of even a coyote or anything hmm. to this water source at all. And it was it's in it's in direct line with where Ramsey and I have seen multiple I mean twenty plus elk through the glass walking to to walking onto this property. And there's no sign of them. And also on that it was the only open water because it was a time of year where everything was froze up. Yeah, I mean, shoulder season, it's, you know, December, January, February in Montana, which is freezing-ass cold. They might not be so desperate to go find water, though, do you in think the winter. Th- do you, I mean, this is my question for you. Do you think they're getting water somewhere else? Yeah. That time, if I thought you were talking, like, August, September, or, like, early archery season. There's, like, a lot Well, that's of the thing. I mean, I, I haven't been on this property for archery season, but these two have. I mean, have you seen any... So the only two bulls we saw last year came right through that route. Yeah. Like that's the direct. Do you route know any big wallows there. on this on that property though? No, but we know. I don't know of a single one. To be there's uh, mm-hmm. there's one coolie that's just full of scrapes, and that's the only yeah. sign of any rut activity in there. Which is where one of the bulls we saw walked directly to, <laughs> and where you found a shed this year. You know, elk definitely. I want I want to ask you a question too. So like when you guys come up on a wallow, are you? I mean, because Ramsey and I did this last year, and. Did not have success, but are you betting more on a on an area surrounding a wallow during archery season than you are somewhere where you're just in the middle of the trees and you you know you want to sit down and and hang out and call? I mean, are you betting on that that elk will be around that wallow, or do you think they'll be just wherever? Wouldn't you say it's like it's definitely like temperature related? Yeah, if I, if I'm gonna sit in a spot and like wait, I would pick a wallow, obviously. But other well, than that, it's like elk or word, right where you find them. It's a stupid saying, but that spot you got you hunted in college, mm-hmm. didn't you guys have trail cam set up on wallows? Yep, we did, and and you never saw them there when you're hunting, right? 
Yeah, but we, we didn't sit and watch a wallow typically. Like, yeah. but you like, had on the on the trail cam, you had mm-hmm. plenty of pictures of both. Oh yeah, like tons. every day they're coming through, and it makes you think like maybe I should just go sit there all day. But did you time sample? Long, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the time stamps right well, there. I mean, what bottom. time? What times of day do you think? Where Usually either like eight in the morning, seven eight in the morning, or like right before dark. So you could you could go sit a wallow and probably kill a bull, and that's a great strategy. But when they're you get there and they're screaming at first light, you're not like I'm gonna go. Not where they scoot by them and go sit <laughs> right. in the wall. Like I don't know. It's, and I guess for you being like a early, like you're only like four or five years into archery hunting, or like I guess just your first real year is gonna be this mm-hmm. year. Like you haven't really like quite had the like a really good day archery hunting to where you like wake up in the morning and it's just bugling bulls, and that's how you're just gonna start locating bulls, right? So like when I hunt at that ranch, right, literally every morning for like three weeks. You can go to where you think they're at and you just sit there for like 10 minutes and they just start going off. And then you're like, okay, I can either make a move over to where that sounds, you know, where the sound is, or I can make a move to where I think they're going to be and just start calling back at them or just come back. Because usually when they're using a wallow too, they're like, they're rutting. Yeah. So they're probably talking. So you could sit and hope they come to your wallow or you could like, oh man, they're 200 yards away screaming. I'm going to go after them. So So you guys hunt on a very unfortunate place where it's like, it's super heavy pressure, so they don't. Run. They probably don't run in the daytime. They're probably in the night. They're probably uh, screaming. Oh, they were. I mean, well, late night, early, early, early morning. Because like that, that story. I think we've t- we t- one of us told that on a yeah yeah like the original chronicles. Yeah, yeah, where we we four in the morning driving down the highway, pulled over on the side of the road because we almost hit a freaking three hundred inch bull jumping the highway, and sat there and sh- scream with him. You know, just talk to him for. An hour, and the the funny thing is, is because you could go to that area where we could hunt in in that spot two hours later and do the same thing and not hear shit. Right. Yeah. Anyways, well, Sean, that was a very that was. very long story you just <laughs> it was told. A tangent. I don't. Know so I almost was. feel like I've heard that story before. Such a mouth. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going before you. Yeah, because I, I. You're still having a hard time. I don't know. You and Sean kind of tag team the story. You can, you can, you can opt out for today. Think of one. I'll go. I'll yeah, go. You go. So I actually, with Josh here, I'm really struggling to find a good story because there's five thousand of them, and I went my mind from the ESPN story <laughs> to uh, Josh's college spot story. But I think I'm going to go with, uh, do you remember like f- three or four years ago, uh, me and you and a, I don't remember who it was, it was like another friend of yours. I don't remember who was with us, but it was like three of us uh, went and floated in like July. It was like the July 3rd. And we left. Do you remember do you know where I'm going with this one? Hmm. Do you remember that float? Where? where? It was the like horn? the most, yeah, it was the horn. Mm-hmm. And it was like the most like. The dumbest day ever, but like you ended up catching a bunch of fish. And I, I, I today I foul hooked that big sucker. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to preface this with like the beginning of this story, right? I just love it when, when he muted you. I know he did, but I just love it when Riley prefaces shit because he does it all the time. Dude, it's we... always funny. Get a shirt, get a shirt that just has me. I'm going to, I want to, I want to say, I like, to I want to preface this. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, my only big word of the week. 
And we can put a picture of Chumley on there. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Um, so here, I'm going to tell the whole story from the beginning. So I think for once in our life, we like got out of town at like a really good time. Like almost too early. Do you remember? It was like, are you sure? Were we late? No, I'm just kidding. I just can't remember. No, no. I know it was early morning. I could never remember. <laughs> dude, dude. We, we went on like a Thursday, right? And so we're like, oh, not going to be very many people on the river. Because it was like one of those weird years where uh, like 4th of July lands to where you have two days off from work. So we went on like a Thursday. And we left. And I remember it being kind of dark. And we hit one of like the only times on Eastern Montana where, you know, because it's usually dry in Eastern Montana. So you get late afternoon thunderstorms. Well, somehow we hit a seven o'clock in the morning thunderstorm and it pissed rain on us all the way there. And, and we had a boat, right? And so Josh is like, dude, we definitely can't launch. Like there's lightning everywhere. And so we pulled over like I went, it was like halfway to where we usually dump the boat. And he's like, I'm going to go fish in typical Josh fashion because Josh just is a savage and doesn't give a shit. And uh, so he pulls me out and we go hiking and he starts casting Meanwhile, there's like 40 foot lightning bolts coming out of the sky. Oh, 40 foot. Am I stupid? I think to uh, use Riley's word. <laughs> 40 foot. <laughs> Sorry. I think to uh, preface this, I think later we found out there was a tornado that day, right where we were. Like, really? We didn't, we didn't know about it, but it happened. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Even better. So, and it was so weird because like seven o'clock in the morning, just a, a terrible thunderstorm. And so, like, it's like 10 o'clock at this time and Josh is like down the river from me and we're just casting. We're like, oh, lightning bolt right across the river. Lightning bolt there. Lightning bolt there. And it sucked because it was like noon and we still hadn't, you know, fishing on this river is like way more fun out of a boat. You have way more opportunity. And so it was like noon and we had to make this decision because I was supposed to be at a wedding rehearsal. I was a, a groomsman. Is that what you call him? Yeah. In a wedding. <laughs> Riley, uh, stroke number two. <laughs> <laughs> At like four o'clock. And so Josh and I, you know, I talked about this on the podcast the other day. Like I asked Josh about how he's like, he'll fish when he shouldn't be fishing. Like just push the limit. And usually when I'm with him, like we'll talk each other into like, yeah, we, we can go fish. We can go <laughs> It's launch. only lightning. <laughs> yeah. So by the time we get down there and, and hire or put money in for a. Um, shuttle shuttle uh, we we get down there it's like 1230 and Josh is like we can do we'll just pay for a three mile we'll just do three miles of the river we'll get it done get it quick get out so we can get you all the way back to billing so it was like I don't know an hour and a half two hours depending on road conditions and whatnot we get to the boat the boat ramp and the weather clears right so we're like oh nice let's go fish let's go fish so we get in there and I I think that Josh caught a couple right off the bat, but I don't remember. I think I caught like one rainbow that day, and then I thought I hooked into the biggest fucking fish I've ever caught in my life. Turns out it was like a four pound carp or something. <laughs> it was a sucker. It wasn't a that'll, carp. It was like a sucker. Happen. But Those... I foul hooked it, and I wrapped both my. I had like the what do you call that that nymph rig? Like a... Pogo rig. Yeah, pogo rig, and it was wrapped around the fish so i had like both hooks wrapped around it and i pulled in i'm like ah oh, dude sick a giant muddy sucker fish <laughs> love that that i tell you what though when you when you hook a big carp they're 
they fight. I mean, it feels like you got something good on. That's probably my favorite yeah. fish to catch. Honestly. Seriously? Side note, yeah, on a fly. We're gonna oh. go. I'm gonna take you guys out this summer. We're gonna catch some carp, and you're gonna. Yeah, he's got a spot like where he like just perfected it, and he just. What do you catch him on? Like dries. Got a couple of spots. One's yeah, one's dries, and one's. Oh, I've crayfish. never caught a carp on fly rod. We'll do. I have a couple spots. We're gonna go this summer. Really? Yeah, you're gonna be addicted to it because it's fun. Yeah. So sucker fish. Uh, maybe I caught. I think I actually caught. I don't remember how, what fish I caught that day, but I do know that it was like we're finally getting to like close to the boat ramp and josh is like i like to pull over here because it splits an island and like over here like usually like in these rapids like on the other side of these rapids you could get in the fish and so you know we're having kind of a slow day so what's josh gonna do he's gonna just bounce like i could have been drowning and josh would have just bounced (laughs) (laughs) and he he leaves he goes wait 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 josh is that true yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> That's why I got walkie talkies now, so like I can tell them if I'm dying. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine that call from <laughs> Yeah, you know how Josh should be like, oh, hold on, I got a fish on. Hold on. I, I got five seconds here. I'll be over there in a minute. Just I might tread, keep... dude. Just tread the water. I might I might throw like a couple more men's up here. <laughs> as, as long as as long as Riley isn't on the on the uh walkie talkie going, Josh! Josh, I caught a fish. Get over here, Josh. Josh, I caught a fish. Don't don't think that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he goes over like on the other side of the island, and so we just I kind of just. Wow. What was that? Does anyone know? Um, Ghost. We're just going to ignore that. <laughs> Holy cow! What was that? Is it bottle? From that's where? terrifying. Ten feet away from us. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, so maybe my blown on my neck earlier was a, was a ghost. It was a ghost. <laughs> what? Throw that across the room. I'm so confused. Josh, that... Josh, you're, it must have fallen out of the trash can. Josh, quit blowing on the trash can. <laughs> all right, all right. Anyways, so Josh leaves me, right? And so I'm like, this is back when, like, Josh was talking about in the podcast uh, the other day about how... Like, I would just, like, focus on casting just to make sure I was doing it right. And I remember I did catch one, and I watched it go through the waves, and I lost it. And I remember he would have been like, keep your fucking rod tip up, Riley. No, I'm just kidding. Well, no, he that's exactly what it was. <laughs> uh, and then I call him, like, dude, where are you at? He's like, dude, I'm right on the other side of the island. I've caught, like, 13 browns already. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> sick, dude. And I'm like, and I look at my clock, and it's, like, 3 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, shit. And so I was like, dude, I think we got to go. And he's like, all right, all right, all right, come, come back. Because he'll, he'll like kind of, like Josh is a good dude. He kind of worries about me. Like he'll make sure that I get to my shit on time. So we like hurry, hustle up, get in the boat, get it down to the ramp because we're right next to the ramp almost. Get it loaded into uh, the trailer and we're hauling ass. Josh is going like, I think actually I might have drove the boat down. I think I drove the boat down, so I'm hauling ass. I'm going like 80, right? And it's like, I have to be there at 405, I think. And it's three o'clock. So we're I just I don't remember all of the details, but I remember it was just hilarious, hilarious. Like all the a bunch of shit kept going wrong to make it like take longer and take longer. And we finally got to Harden and we're just like laughing our asses off. We're like, dude, this is we have like 25 minutes to make it to the church before I'm gonna get my ass shoot. <laughs> 
and uh i think everyone was texting you like you almost hear you like yeah i'm i'm so close right now I'm oh i remember what it was like i didn't have my clothes and shit so <laughs> yeah. like i had to figure out how to have someone like basically airmail me some freaking clothes to the uh to the church yeah yeah i definitely drove because i made josh like uh or i didn't make him but he ended up dropping me off right at the church i'll get there in a second but so we're like we're like i think we can make it right on time if we like haul ass like Definitely speed. I'm sorry, cops, four years ago, we sped down the interstate. But we went down the interstate, and we're like, dude, we're going to make it. Like, we're gonna, we're just laughing, dude, because all this weird shit, because I'm on the phone, like, trying to find clothes, trying to find this. And uh, we're going by, and Josh is like, dude, we're screwed. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, bro, we have to stop at this at this boat check. <laughs> In the middle of the highway, there's a random ass where you got to stop, and they got to check your boat. And I'm like, oh my god! So we're just sitting there the whole time, like we're getting checked. I'm just like, come on, come on, come on. The guy was BSing with us too. Like, yeah, it was the kid that Ramsey went to high school with, actually. <laughs> uh, Ryan uh, R. Mm. Um, so we leave, and I'm like, well, I'm screwed at this point. Somehow we only got there like five minutes late, but I remember it was like one of those deals, like where everyone was there. So like at 3:45, they were like just pissed that I wasn't there. And so here we go, right? Everyone's there. Imagine this. Josh uh, Josh and I, with the boat on the truck, rip into this fucking church parking lot. And everyone's outside on the grass just staring at us. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like, oh, my God. And like, so like I like, he like, like come into the parking lot. And I open the door. And I'm just like putting on a button-up shirt. I don't remember how I got it. But I think we must have just met someone real quick. And I'm, like, walking up to everybody, like, putting my clothes on. And, like, the groom is, like, pissed that I'm late. But it was just funny. I'll never have that again where we just, like, <laughs> showed up to a – it was, like, the rehearsal dinner uh, in the drift boat. But, yeah. Hey, that's a that's a hell of a story. I mean, is there a better way to pull up to a wedding? No. I think it would have been better if it was the actual wedding, I think, is the only way <laughs> it was better. Taking your waiters off as you put your fit, your – your dress shirt on? Yeah. Yeah. It was about as close as that. Yeah, it was what it was, yeah, really. Hey, that's about perfect, fun. man. I mean, that's the way to do it. <laughs> I just we just remember we were hysterically laughing because we're just like, this is ridiculous. You can't script this. And it was all because <laughs> we well, the thunderstorm screwed us, first of all. But we just pushed the limit of like you should we should have just put the rod away like an hour ago and not pushed it. Yeah, but I mean when it's it's always like when you're out doing something like fishing or hunting, your your time your mental capacity to judge time is out the window. Oh yeah, I feel like that's exactly how you are. I feel like you're a like a, a dark to dark guy now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like well, just... I mean, because you're like, oh, it's it's ten o five a.m. I'll 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 fish for another hour. You know, I'll do you know a couple more casts, whatever. Then you're sitting out there you're just casting, have a good time. You look down and it's like, holy shit, it's twelve thirty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, so nothing goes. Is there another story sure. with just you two about a Camaro doing about a hundred miles an hour down Duck the... story? Yeah. <laughs> Josh and I's high school duck stories we don't need to tell. I thought I was gonna lose my life like three different times that day. <laughs> the, yeah, because the funniest <laughs> that was oh my god, dude. Should I tell? Oh my oh, god. Yeah. Do I have time? How much oh, time yeah. do I got? Alright, so don't let me get too far into this po- into this story because I don't want like we still have to tell Ramsey's story and Josh's story. But if I can So we were like more. we're like juniors in high school, I wanna say. I don't know. Maybe I don't remember where we were. And uh, in typical fashion, we were running late <clears throat> in the morning. So I had this 
God, I always look back on high school and hunting and shit, and it was just like you did whatever you could to go without your dad, you know? And so, like, for some reason, I couldn't borrow dad's truck. And Josh couldn't borrow his dad's truck, so we just threw all the decoys in the back of my T-top Camaro. <laughs> and our waiters and shit. And we, uh, we bounced to our spot, right? And we're running, like, we're late. Like, I don't remember why we were late, but uh, we, we needed to get there fast. So we get on this one, like, like to get there, you turn onto this, like, really, like, narrow two-lane highway. And I'm going, like, a buck ten, buck fifteen, probably. And uh, all of a sudden, Josh is like, oh, my God. And uh, a whole herd of deer walk out in the middle of the road. <laughs> and so, like, dude, I don't know how I did it, but we, like, hit the brakes, swerved. And uh, somehow, like, avoided all of these deer, right? You were on the shoulder slash half off the shoulder into the grass. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we didn't hit a deer. We would have been screwed, dude. That fast in that low car. It would have went right through the windshield. So, anyways, we get to the spot, right? And because we were late, um, this was a public waterfowl spot. We had to... uh, like, this is a spot that you had to get there at 2 in the morning to be the first ones there. It was miserable. It was the worst. Countless times where we little sleep because we had to be there at 2 o'clock in the morning. So we get there at, like, 5. And the way you hunted this place was uh, there was a... Hope to God you get there first. <laughs> well, yeah, you you had to, like, hike in there. Like it, was, it was, like, the only time I could say in my life where it was, like, a legitimate... Like, you had to hike your ass off to shoot ducks. Like, you don't usually have to say that, you know? And... uh you like hike down this hill and then you walk up this channel for I don't know how long do you think half a mile? Yeah, it's a it's a trek. Um, and then you would hunt either like this one mound of ground, or you had to walk all the way to the other side of this pond, which was so fucking far. And it was and the water was deep because it was like early season and like I I don't know it must have just been a big water year. So like the little shortcut to this mound of dirt uh, was already like up to your like sketchy on your waders so we get to the like someone had beat us there because we were late right so we go and we're hiking along and you have to hike along the edges of the pond to get to like josh's like second good spot get to the second good spot there's some old dude old dude just sitting there so we're like fuck like and i had never been with josh where um where uh we had to go to his third favorite spot and so we, it's like the dam portion of the pond. And so we go over there and somehow we did really well. Like if I remember correctly, that's like, just where the birds wanted to be that day. Yeah. Like we, we schooled everyone else on that, <laughs> on that pond. Like we did, we definitely had the most, and I don't think we were like greedy, like shooting them high or anything. We no, just, they were, they're just dumping into our decoys. Mm-hmm. And so I remember at like three in the afternoon. Cause that dude in high school, we were always so hardcore about waterfowl. We would hunt from sun up to sundown, mm-hmm. even if it sucked ass one duck and like one goose. Yeah. Or like you'd average like one every two hours. <laughs> yeah. And some days were good though. Like you'd be done and like, and I think that day we probably shot close to a limit. Um, and so I remember like Josh had this girlfriend in high school, right? It was this kind of high school girlfriend. I remember she calls him up forget and please forgive me if you hear listen to this podcast if you know who you are just starts chewing his ass because it was like two days before her birthday on a weekend and josh wasn't there to hang out with her do you remember this yep okay 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 and so josh is like dude we have to go right now and so he made an executive decision 
And the reason that you have to walk all the way around the right-hand side of the pond is because it's too deep, <laughs> usually, to go to do the cut across or to cross the channel. But Josh is like, dude, we're just going to have to risk it. I don't have time. And so uh, <laughs> we're walking along these cattails in the water. And we just like gave in to the fact that we're like, all right, the water's going over the waders. <laughs> like we're just we're like, I'm talking, you're in the water, and you know, your waders usually go up to like a couple inches below your neck. And so like all people could probably see is two like a floating bag of decoys <laughs> and two heads. And then like Josh had like all the ducks on his shoulder. So there's just two heads, like definitely <laughs> sinking our waders all the way back. Uh get in the Camaro and Josh's like, dude, we gotta go, man. I'm <laughs> I'm going to be in remember, trouble. Remember going back to when we were waiting, I hit that hole and I just submerged. Oh yeah. Josh just lost. Like he just like walked into a hole when we crossed the channel and he's just gone. And I was just like, I don't know. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I popped back up just gasping for air. Yeah. Because that, that channel had like mud. Mm-hmm. It was like quicksand. Yeah. Wow. I don't, did I, was that good about like making sure you weren't dead? I feel hopefully it you was. You were laughing when I came back. Ah, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so we get back. Get back to the car and Josh is like, I got to go. So we just shove everything in the back of the Camaro and I peel out of there, right? And so I'm like hauling ass and you have to take a right-hand turn on gravel to... 90 uh, degrees. And he's on the phone with her, dude. And I just hear... (laughs) In the phone. (laughs) And uh, we hit the corner at like 45 on this gravel road. And the ass end of the car is just boom. And it's like a big ditch on the other side. And I remember we just, Josh is like fucking his ass is puckered. He's the the ghost in his eyes comes out, and uh, we're ass end in the ditch with the Camaro. And I was just like power sliding through the ditch, and I just like kept goosing it, and we like popped out uh, and then made it out. It was like the most eventful day of waterfowl hunting, like we've ever had, just the two of us, uh, and we made it home safely, surprisingly. And I was single days after. <laughs> <laughs> totally worth it. But that's enough of me. Jeez. (laughs) Ramsey, did you think of something yet? No. Oh, my God. Josh, I guess it's all up to you. Ramsey, come on. You've got plenty of stories. You or me, Ramsey? You go first. I think I got to go back to that Bozeman story. That was a good one. We touched on it on the last podcast, but we didn't didn't really go into depth. Yeah, so... Are we going to get a little like uh, spiritual at the end too about it to tie into the last podcast? Because I, I was, got to do some therapy. You know? I, when we left that podcast and we started talking about this story, I was like, damn, I was going to ask you a question that like tied into. So I'm going to ask you after you're done with this story. Okay. okay. I'm going to try my best to do a good job of the story. But you if I don't this, do it justice, you jump in. I believe you. So got a spot in Bozeman that I hunted. I've always hunted basically since I was in college, probably the last eight, eight or so years. So me, Riley, and our buddy Cody went over there to do a hunt in September. Stayed at our buddy's house over there. Got up um, probably second weekend of September, something like that. I was, I know it was exactly the second weekend because you and weekend. Cody hunted the opening weekend. Yeah. So we hike up this hill. It's a shitty hike, two miles. I think it's two miles, and it's all uphill. It pause, 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 pause. You know how I know that you and Cody hunted the weekend before and it was opening day? Because you guys set off a bear spray in, in Cody's truck. Yeah. <laughs> That's always a bad, bad time. Yeah, I don't even want to tell that story. All right. We, all right. Anyways, <laughs> back to your story. That's basically the whole story. So <laughs> didn't hunt. Anyway, go up there. Hike up the hill. It sucks. Get there in the dark. and Oh, you have to elaborate on this hill, please. Please give it justice. Okay. It's two miles of... 30 
degree incline. Like it's steep. Like you're leaning over to get up it. And you're on a trail, so it doesn't feel bad, but it's steep and it's a long ways and it's uphill and we're all huffing and puffing basically. And Riley hasn't done this hill before. He hasn't hunted Western Montana a whole lot, so he's struggling. But in the end, we all get up there and it's still dark and we're sitting at the top, kind of a spot I like to post up and let it get light and see where the elk are. And we're all sitting there, we're all giddy, we're all excited. And probably 10, 15 minutes before light, a bull screams, lets off a bugle. And we all get excited and we get up and we move close, get kind of like in position where we think they are and it's getting light. And now we can see elk across from us a couple hundred yards across and they're rutting. There's several bulls, they're bugling, they're running around and we're all just excited. So we come up with a game plan, the wind's in our face. We drop down, come up the other side that those elk are on. And uh, right in the, I guess kind of in the bottom below them is a little grove of aspens between us and them. And we decided to do some calling. So I set Riley up where I think the elk are going to come out and me and our buddy Cody kind of dropped back and we told Riley like stay in this spot because if a, the elk <laughs> react to these calls which they feel usually like do I feel like I've heard this this story before and it is hilarious <laughs> I think you've heard it like uh, probably at the hot tub or something yeah so we're like alright just stay here because if these elk come into these calls which they almost always do you're going to get a shot at a bull so we start calling the elk are bugling back but we give it 10, 15 minutes and nothing comes in. So, and you sent Cody like up the other side. The yeah. Way. We kind of, we kind of start moving in on the elk, but I, we still put you in a spot where like, just stay, stay, move up a little bit, but stay here in this open. Cause they're going to come through eventually. So anyway, we're calling and moving up, moving up, moving up. And, uh, um, no, actually you're right. We sent Cody actually around and above the elk. Yep. That's right. That's right. He still kept the wind good, but he got above the elk. He did re- perfect. Reason why is because if these elk bust, they go up to a certain trail and they use that trail to get out of out of the country. So we sent him there. So sorry, yeah, you're right there. So me and Riley are down below. So I keep Riley in this park where I think they're going to come through, and I kind of start circling around, getting in on these bol- uh, these elk. And uh, before I know it, I don't go that far ahead, and I'm right in the middle of her in this one herd bull that we've actually been hunting for a lot of years is just screaming and he's within 50 yards of me the whole time, but it's just thick aspens and I can't get a shot. You guys should have named that bull. That was like the, like Josh and this bull had a vendetta. Like they, Josh, I'm not kidding. Josh is like headshots. How many times do you think you had shots on that bull over like a five year span? I think between me and my friends who have all hunted that bull, we've all been at full draw half a dozen times and I'm the only one that's launched an arrow at him and I missed obviously. Cause he is and he was a big bull, like mm-hmm. I don't know, like a three fifty. He's alive. Yeah, he's big, huge, big tip. At his prime, yeah, I think he's digressing or regressing. Would yeah, be the I word. think he's dead now. I would say. Mm, we'll see. He might be. He was there last year. You saw him again. Yeah, Jacob hunted him last year. No shit. Mm-hmm. He's still there. That's we an old ton, bull. Dude. Tons of videos of him. Tons of pictures. Like he's just like he's like our buddy. Like I'd I'd feel bad if I killed him. <laughs> I'd like yeah. He's my <laughs> nah, best. You can walk by him in the house and. Scratch him on the really good yeah, boy. True. <laughs> That's but, Tom and Jerry, dude, for real. Like it's the real Tom and Jerry right there. But anyway, and this is like a little plug advertisement for uh a scent spray company. Uh we were in the middle of these aspens and I just kept getting closer and closer and closer to these elk, and the wind was at my back at one at several different points. And I was within probably 15, 20 yards of this herd, and not one of them ever reacted or lifted a nose. Like they didn't smell me at all. And I was just mind blown. But anyway, it's these thick aspens didn't have a shot. And eventually these elk move off and they go into this little park above me. So 
while this is happening, our buddy Cody's up above him, kind of up in the open, watching all this go down, hoping we either get a shot or bump these elk, and they come up to him. While he's watching them, a satellite bull, a decent six-point, that was kind of circling around the herd trying to get in on the action, peels off. I think he probably saw, smell me, whatever, and runs down through the park, stops, and hangs out about 20 yards in front of where we told Riley to hang out. <laughs> nice bull. Would have been perfect for him. Oh, turns, yeah. Would have been great. Turns, turns out Riley decided he's going to take <laughs> action into his own hands, and he moves up the hill, too. And uh, Can I give you my point of view on this? I want Yeah, I want to hear your point okay, of view. Okay, so I'm sitting in this park, and I, I've been in several situations. And, and at this point in my life, like I fully... I mean, this was like the beginnings. This is like where, where you're at right now with archery hunting. Like I was a little bit past that, but like as far as like bugling bulls, getting in on them and like getting in within 20 yards of them, that was like the very first three years of me doing it. And uh, yeah, I think it was a year. Was that the year after I called that spike in? I don't remember. <sighs> I know at that point that I'm going to take every bit of advice that Josh gives me. And I know when Josh says to sit here, to sit here. And I swear I gave it like fucking 30 minutes. And I was like, and it seemed to me like if you could like put yourself in my position, like Joshua is basically where he started bugling, where he came in. He was directly to the right of me about a hundred yards. And I could hear him like and him and this bull are like talking, like they're having a conversation. Josh would go off. He would go off. Like it was perfect. Like it was some of the best like back and forth calling I've ever heard. And the way that like I could hear Josh's like, uh, I wouldn't say his voice, but his, his bugle, he was getting further and further away from me in front of me. And I'm like, fuck dude, it seems like the elk are doing the same thing. Well, and I guess he didn't really elaborate on the fact that like it was thick ass aspens and these elk know that like to, to say safe, they just hug into these aspens. Right. So like your shooting windows are what? 30 to 50 yards, maybe. If you're lucky. They're almost non-existent in there. Yeah, and so all these elk are like... you can, If you stood on the hill and watched this, like, besides the one bull that Cody saw after we bumped him, like, let's say we never bump him. The elk, you would have never seen one elk. Not one time. Like, this is the most unbelievable spot I've ever seen. And so, I'm like, dude, I feel like I should get closer. But what I screwed up on was, is I, when I moved, I crawled under these groves. Dude, I was, I was doing some, like, 007 shit. Like put my bow on my back and like there's probably a cow like 30 yards away from me just watching. no because like, I, I know there wasn't because like fucking dude what it would be was bushes right now. <laughs> what that would, guy needed to stretch before he did that <laughs> hey i was i was a little bit more shape back then so give me some give me some slack and i like you it was like these thick groves right but then you could clear them and kind of look like down a row you know like an open row and I'm like, there's nothing, there's no elk, like, unless they're standing in the bushes. But I mean, come on, I think I would have heard or seen something. And I get to this one point where, like, I can finally get, like, hear Josh again. Yeah, I had to breathe. Give me a break. Uh, I had, I could hear Josh in front of me finally. Like, he had gotten in front of me. And so I, like, kind of curled up a little bit. And I'm like, oh, dude, I felt like this perfect. Like, it was like, it was like, God, I thought I was shooting a bull this day. Because I thought God blessed me with this earth-made blind where all these trees were just on top of each other. And it was like up to my like, I don't know, up to here on me, like almost chest level. And it was like a 50-yard park. 
I'm like, this is perfect, dude. And I can hear Josh. And all of a sudden, you can hear all the cows coming through. You can hear them crashing just on the other side of the trees of this little park. And I'm like, dude, any time now this bull is going to come through here. Like, I'm like shaking. I'm like, this is like, this is it. Like, I'm going to have a bull come through and it's going to be. Like, how mad would these guys have been if I would have shot this bull that they've been chasing for, like, five years? I would have never hunted you with you ever. <laughs> you could die. So, uh, I can hear him in there just going nuts, and I can hear Josh right in front of me. And I think I've told this story in the podcast, but I'm sitting there, and I happen to just glance down. And as I glance down, there's a snake. A freaking rattlesnake. Five feet from me or less. Coming out of a hole. And I'm like, I, like I'm froze. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I'm trying to, I can't, I can't mess this up with like, Josh will never bring me back here again if I fuck this up. So like, all I do is I slowly, like and the snake's like just in front of me and I'm like, what the fuck? And so I just like slowly back up and I'm like slowly backing up and I kind of like peer around this tree, look up and there's 10 cows looking at me and I'm like, oh my fuck. So, uh, all right, back, if you could put yourself to, to where you were at. If that helps put you back yeah. in your perspective of your situation. So, so just to give Riley credit, that bull that came out, that was just pure chance and hilarious that it happened. But yeah. I didn't expect you to sit there in that park way behind us for like half an hour. It just happened. I that bull came through right there. But it would have worked out great. But we set him up there for when we were calling. Like we thought a bull would come in. <clears throat> but anyway, um, I kept moving in closer and closer to these elk, as Riley mentioned. And at one point, this bull this big 340, 350 bull that we've been chasing forever was at like within 15 yards of me. I could see him. He's raking trees. He's literally bugling at me, but it's so thick in there that I was at a couple of times at full draw and there's just no shot. So anyways, these elk move up. He pushes his cows up into a park, like 50, 60 yards above us. So I slide up a bit and I get within, I range that park probably 38, 40 yards. And I see the cows start feeding out and I'm like, all right, perfect. He's going to follow them out. I'll have a nice under 40 yard shot done deal. And about now is when Riley's messing with a rattlesnake that's trying to kill him. (laughs) And uh, all the cows feed out and I see the bull working his way, working his way. I kept ranging as you do. You just keep ranging. You want that range to be money. And I'm getting ready, getting ready to literally like tension on my, my uh, release, ready to draw. And every cow picks his head up, looks down to my left, and they all just bolt. <laughs> Turns out later, I found out Riley was out doing a snake dance and spooked him. <laughs> and I was like, oh. well, I figured they saw, smelled me, whatever. But good news is they're running right to our buddy Cody. And there's a big park, and then Cody's on the edge of the park in the timber, we thought. Turns out he misunderstood the directive of where to go sit. He sat out in the park <laughs> next to <laughs> one very small dead tree. The elk ran out into the park about halfway up to him, saw him sitting next to this tree and spun around and ran back. I, uh, I had, while this was happening, it sprinted up the hill, got in position and they all stopped and f- came out in front of me and stopped. And I had the bull at like 80 yards, probably 70, 80, too far to shoot. And the wind was blowing about. 30 miles an hour. So didn't take the shot brokenhearted, all of us and the elk ran into a small patch of timber, which is just like an Island of timber. So we're like, all right, we know they're in there. So we all gather up, kind of 
tell our story because we're all just mind blown at what just happened. Like all of us had close opportunities, but it didn't happen. And we worked our way over to where the elk went in and probably spent half to three quarters of the day just watching, glassing this tiny patch of timber, just knowing they're in there and just waiting for one to move so we can like see that they're there and then like make a game plan for the evening. And after most of the day, not seeing an elk, no sign of them, we're like, they must have just kept going. They're gone. And that's when we hiked the two miles back down the mountain, down to the truck. Which I was, was having some bad cramp attacks, dude. Like, we, like, laid down on that side hill he's talking about. And we saw, there was a cow that walked out while we were sitting there. Don't you remember? Mm-mm. Yeah, one cow walked out. Because, like, you could look at this whole side hill. Like, imagine, like, a typical, like, bear hunting, like, side hill with, like, down trees and, like, stuff like that. And that's kind of where we were at on the edge of these aspens. And uh, we did see a cow walk out. But I'm sitting there and I like sat for too You can't, when you're a big guy, you can't sit for too long and not drink enough water. Side note, I had bought one of those Badlands bladders for my pack. And they sent me one with a pinhole in it. So I had no water because I got up to that point when we started to drink. And all my water was at the bottom of my backpack. So mm. low of water. And uh, dude, I was a, it was a pretty hard hike out. And I remember yeah. that. But that, that I, now I remember that cow. She was in a totally different hillside. So like that's not part of the herd. She's right. a separate cow. Hike back down to the truck, gassed, sad, and we hop in the truck. And we're like driving away. I think, and I think you. No, it was like, Cody. Cody was like, "You got to be kidding me!" I think he was like looking like over his shoulder or mm-hmm. something. I'm basically like, looking in the rear view mirror. Yeah, and he's like, "Hang on," and we stop and we look and like back up at that patch of timber. You can see from where the truck was is. This herd elk files out of the trees with that big bull. Weren't we like like part of the walk back? Didn't we sit there and have a sandwich or something like within like a hundred yards of where we saw him from the truck right there? Yeah, like we hung out like talking, not quiet at all. Like just assumed they were gone, and then there they were, and all three of us went, "Nope," <laughs> and we drove back to Bozeman. And so I, I this is where I'm getting from the podcast the other day. Do you ever look back on that situation and ask yourself like, like? How bad did we fuck up by leaving that spot after that? We could have had a fun evening hunt. Yeah. Because evening hunts almost are almost always better than morning hunts, in my opinion, for yeah. elk. Because we drove to a couple different spots, and Josh was yelling at me because I was going 50 miles an hour on the on the highway, because I'd start talking and gawking, and then I would go slow. It's kind of like what I do. Josh is like, what are we doing? <laughs> are we going to get here tomorrow or? <laughs> 50 miles an hour? First of all, we're on a highway, and 50 miles an hour is like 25. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was probably like almost a snail speed. That was yeah. the worst. Dude. He just we, does that, and you're I, like, why are we going 25 and <laughs> 70 right now? I just can't multitask. He's just like on a highway, and he's like having a conversation, and you're like, yeah. we're stopped in the middle of the highway. Like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm driving. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like an hour before dark. We're trying to get somewhere to like go find some elk, and he's just like talking about his fishing stories. <laughs> I had enough. Uh, I had enough left in me for you to take me to a couple more spots, and we hiked a little bit more. But we didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't think we saw. We did. We do the like bugle back with other dudes bugling. Yep. Yep. We thought we were on elk, but it was other guys. So been there. That was the end of that trip. And uh, what happened the next morning, Josh? We're we're gonna go hunt hunt those elk again, huh? Do you remember what happened? Did we just sleep in and go home? We absolutely woke up at nine thirty. <laughs> and so that's like where again that's where i'm talking about like what we talked about on the podcast the other day if we were a little bit mentally different and a little bit more in shape like i look back on that trip alone and i'm like dude twice we fucked up that day 
before the good hunt should have been motivation enough for us to get up and go back at yeah, it. Yeah, well, didn't, we didn't. You, didn't Jacob go up there and get on that same bull in the spot that we saw them in that mm-hmm. next day? Yep, yeah, he went up this following day, this Sunday, and I think he drew on that bull a couple times. And, but yeah, still no arrows. No yeah. arrows flung, and that bull is still alive and well. That hike whooped my ass, though. Holy shit. I remember waking up that next morning, and like, you ever, like, when you're a little bit out of shape, you ever get like the outside of your like legs, like where your like elbow of your knee is, where the tendons are? Like they're just fucking screaming mm-hmm. when you wake up the next day. That hike was brutal. But I'm talking to like, like Josh has done some like nine mile, like twelve hour pack outs with just two guys of elk, so I can't really complain too much. He about. also like shot one of his first elk walking back to the truck. Mm-hmm. Lucky. So Got lucky. Some- <laughs> you shot you shot a bull up in that spot though. That yeah. was a crazy story. We we have to yeah. get Josh in here in like four months to tell another Walton Chronicle story. <laughs> yeah, that I've got some crazy elk stories out of that spot. I don't know why, but that spot produces just some wild stories. Well, for a long time it was like kind of a hidey hole for you until people started finding out about it. Mm-hmm. Sort sort of kinda is still. It's a public land story. That's how it goes. That's the way of the road, man. Ramsey, have you some of the story or should have we, we told, have we told the story about your bull that we lost i think we've meant to many times and we never did that's a pretty good story kind of um, funny you mean the natural elk crossing one yeah yeah good one yeah go ahead how much time we got oh it's probably gonna be an hour <laughs> all right well whatever um, send it so the first time that I actually got to archery hunt on that ranch that you were guiding on, they invited me out, and there's a spot where it's it's a natural elk crossing, where it's just super thick timber, and there's only one spot that they can really come from the it's the river they come up they, they come up from the river and like the cornfields and the cornfields like they just they funnel through this one area yeah and so we kind of they kind of had figured out earlier in the season that you just kind of sit there in the sagebrush because it's pretty tall sagebrush i mean you can hide my big ass in it it's pretty good sized sagebrush <laughs> but it, uh it, was it weird for you to like see these uh when you finally saw elk here and they come in completely silent well the night before you guys are talking about oh you all we hear is bugling bulls and you guys put me in the shit spot. <laughs> well, and uh, so, that was the day after the freaking scary stories. Dude. No, that was yeah. the day. That was the day before. The scary was the day there. before. No. no, the day we shot was the last day. Because remember, Matt. Anyways, Matt. anyways, um, the the first night we got there, we went out for an evening hunt. Didn't I? Didn't hear nothing. These guys went to their spot and heard all kinds of shit going on. But. Uh, <laughs> Um, so this is, it was the last morning, right? Yes. The the last, the last morning was when the story happened. Okay. So I'm still unconvinced at this point that there's even elk and we go to this spot and kind of walk in and I'm sitting there and it's cold as shit. (laughs) Like it's supposed to be, it's what? September. Supposed to be hot as hell outside. And I'm freezing my ass off in the sagebrush. It was the last weekend in September. And uh, so I'm like laying down 
playing games on my phone because I'm just like... Yeah, because we were getting there like, what, 45 minutes early? Like way before shooting? Oh, yeah, because... Sometimes they'd come, you guys are saying they'd come in in the dark and you didn't want to. Oh, yeah. There was many times we'd be sitting there and like you'd have an elk walking by you in the dark. So I'm sitting there and it's like not quite light yet. And there's like three or four bulls just start ripping bugles. So I perk up and I'm like, okay. Really? Yeah. Out in the cornfields. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, there's elk here. So I'm like getting ready, you know, whatever. And I'll, well, we don't have a video now because our camera messed up but um i'm laying there and i can hear the other guy with us just making noise and i'm like what the fuck is this dude doing Why are you <laughs> that's gonna be pissed that you don't say who it was his name's cory cory's love the guy to death but he's a fucking dipshit <laughs> <laughs> this dude is making all kinds of noise so I, and i hear this like and i'm like Okay, that wasn't Corey. And I look up, and there's this big old six by six just standing right on the. You can just kind of see through the trees and the thick timber, and watch this thing kind of walking along. I'm like, oh shit, dude! This yeah, is. like fifty yards from you. I'm like, this thing is gonna like come through here. So I'm knocking an arrow, whatever. Gets to the tree line, and uh, looks through the this this gap in the trees. Almost like he's staring into my soul, but I know he can't see me. Because I'm like, there's this big piece of sagebrush right in front no, of me. No, no, no. You were right next to a damn like pine tree, weren't you? Like a little shirt. No, that's where... I'll get there. Okay. And I'm like getting ready. And he looks through this gap in the trees. And just turns around and walks off. And I'm like, what the fuck? And so I lay back down. And I'm playing on my phone again because there's nothing going on. And... All of a sudden, I hear again, and I'm like, what? And I look back up, and here's this bull standing dead center right in the middle of this gap in the trees. So your optimism was through the roof. At oh, this dude, point. I thought I was going to put an arrow in this bull. And every time, these guys are telling me, like, every time, they're like, they just, they, they come this straight is why, through. This is why you, you work on your, like, when we're shooting archery, like... Oh, I do. I sit down and This is stuff. why you practice your frontal shot all the time, because you had a frontal shot all day long. But I couldn't, he was looking right in my direction, so I, I you couldn't, couldn't, draw, I couldn't yeah. draw. And so I'm like, I'm like, oh, I hope he like comes through. Because I'm sitting on the game trail, like s- 10 yards off the game trail. I'm like, if you watch down this game trail, it lights out. Like this bull is dead. The thing runs through the gap in the trees. Doesn't walk, doesn't do anything. Runs through and goes out to about 60 yards. And I'm kind of like turned away from it so i have to like get up above the sagebrush to get a shot at it out of nowhere this dipshit starts shooting at it <laughs> stop calling him a dipshit. i'm just kidding Corey, love you <laughs> <laughs> this guy like he's the he's the farthest one back right? yeah like doesn't have a shot it has to be all. like 75 yards yeah and he misses so the bolt kind of runs like another what 20 yards but it was like it worked perfect like it sucked because if you would have been like next to that pine tree, it would have been like a ten yard shot. And, and Matt will swear up and down on his life. That's where he told me to sit. Yeah. But anyway, that's where the pine tree was. Is where Matt wanted me to sit. But like, and if I'd have been there, I'd have had a fifteen yard shot at this yeah. bull. And uh, like where you and I were at, like he ran away from Corey and like gave you and I a better shot in a way. It was like a 55, 50 yard shot. Yeah, and I, 
But we were split up still. We were, you and I were like we were. It was weird. It was like we like okay, made so a triangle. Let's, yeah, it's it a triangle. Riley was fifty yards away from the bowl. I was fifty yards away from the bowl, but we were thirty yards away from each other. Right, or like fifty somewhere on there. Yeah, and so, dude, a cute triangle, bro. <laughs> we're and, making uh, an equilateral triangle. <laughs> the way of hunting, and I shot. Don't know where my shot went because it's so much adrenaline going on. I thought I just smoked this thing because it like hunched, but Riley shot at the same time, and we think his shot hit because he at fifty yards that time he was a better shot than I was. Well, it wasn't even that. Like I want like Josh, we were taking like he was like he had been in that situation more times that he watched where his arrow went. Have you did you do when you shot your bull? Do you like remember? Like your follow through, like where you watch the arrow go. No, but mine was like last light kind of thing, mm-hmm. so it was tough to see. I just remember the sound. Okay, I so I it was it was right in the morning, so we had full light, and I I, I it was a, probably one of the longer shots I've taken on an animal. And I when I shot, I just followed the arrow and I watched it, man. And I'm telling you, like when I saw it hit the end of its curve, the elk just like he like hunched down, like hit like it's almost like he like almost went belly to the ground. And I was like, at that point, I'm like, holy shit, I think, like, I think we shot. <laughs> like, just just to rile Rally up, we never found either arrow. So I we found well. Corey's arrow. Well, yeah, 20 <laughs> feet in front of the elk. <laughs> He's going to be so bad when he hears Well, the it. shitty thing is a fire went through there, so we'll never know because we'll never be able to find our arrows. I don't think a carbon arrow would burn up. We'd probably have better luck oh, finding it. how now. hot that fire got? Yeah, yeah, but right there, it wouldn't have been super hot. The flash fuels? Anyways, just that doesn't matter. Maybe a broadhead. You'd find a broadhead. I, I shot this bull. I, I'm sorry, Ramsey. Well, yeah, as much maybe. as you want. <laughs> we didn't find either arrow. But uh... <laughs> the worst part is, is like regardless, both of our shots, we knew the shot placement was like it wasn't great, and we think we like we're pretty positive we center punched it, like right behind the vitals and right, like I just think in no you, man's land. Whoever. 70 30 split whoever hit this elk hit in the one spot on the animal why do you choose 70 30 yeah that was a weird that analogy. was a very weird that was like i mean Is i was your story or mine i I'm just gonna add in here, and I, Josh has given me the look like he agrees with me. So, see, I love how you started the story with like Riley's like lost bowl that we've all like definitely confirmed that this is my. my <laughs> That's because you get super upset and then, when I say that I hit it because you didn't. Because I clearly. Oh, you can't prove it though. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, it you can't prove it either hey. way. All right. Let's... Did you find either of your arrows? No. But here's the thing: is I went to where I shot. That's what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> I went, I That's went, what I'm saying. I went to where Josh. I, Josh, come on. And we shot within like a second of each other. But I watched my arrow away. make this elk literally. Okay, whoever shot the bull is not the moral of the story. I'm blown away. You guys got three arrows off at one bull. Yeah, that was the what? weird thing about this bull is like he would keep like we shot and well, well he, here's what happened. He was laughing so hard at Corey's shot that he couldn't. He couldn't get Oh, the elk? <laughs> well, that was pathetic. Well, it was weird because he was super spooky coming in. And then once we shot, he'd only, like, just look around. And then even after we shot and he, like, hit the ground, he, like, like walked a couple feet and then just, like, kind of walked away. Yeah, he never ran. He just, like, walked over the hill. And I've always been told you don't push elk after you know you shot him. Mm-hmm. And we were unsure, so. So after we had waited a little bit, 
I walked over to where I knew my arrow had gone because I shot this bull. And uh, same place that my arrow had gone. This is this would be for me. This was definitely like the first. Besides, like I mean, how many like countless game like grouse and rabbits have we shot with our bows you know right um to like actually have like blood on the ground it was just like oh. well and we weren't even like i think it, the very first we weren't even looking for blood we were looking for an arrow and you walked across the trail and you're like guys there's blood right here yeah and then we're like oh shit it just got real no was- actually i had found uh i found someone's arrow over there and i was like looking around and there's just blood like a big pile of blood like probably like the size of I'd like a dinner plate, maybe. Yeah. And so we kind of like everyone gathered back up and right on the blood pile. Um, we're like, well, I guess we're following blood. And the amount of blood with everyone we've talked to, including Josh. Like, yeah, to preface this, my phone was absolutely exploding that day. <laughs> Riley was texting me out the ass like oh yeah <laughs> so i was excited. freaking out i was uh, what did you say i was like in fly fishing mode <laughs> yeah you were big fish hooked because <laughs> and i would just send josh a picture every time we'd find blood and i'm like dude is this like is this enough blood and he's like yeah. like yeah that's blood he's yeah, like yeah you hit it you hit, you hit it good <laughs> and like you hit it in like a de- like a definitely possible like kill shot mm. i don't um, know how many miles did we track that for dude six and a half it was brutal like we hiked as far as we could go to like where the fence was on the property. Dude, I was on all fours, like crawling through the grass, moving stuff aside. Cause it would like, you'd get like just this good spot of blood and then you'd like find it on the side of a blade of grass. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, Oh, there's blood. I was hound dogging it. And I just, I'm not the slightest bit surprised to hear that story because I have heard that story and experienced that story so many times with elk. They're so tough. You could have hit that thing. You could have got a lung or a liver, yeah. and that thing could have went to the next county. I just wish we would have found our arrow or like had the the, yeah. the adrenaline wasn't rushing to the point where we could pull up our binos to see like if it was in him. Well, that's that's such a that's such a hard like the adrenaline alone is like. I feel like in your mind you go back like yeah I made a good shot like I know it was good and like that mentality like sticks in your brain. And you're like going through like, well, if I can't find this arrow, I, can, I hit it, you I know? Can. And it's like, it's like at the same time, I feel like that adrenaline can stop you from being as aware as you would be. You know what I mean? Like if you saw it, I don't know. I mean, it's just tough to say because you could, you could, you could say, yeah, I saw an arrow behind a tree. It's barely sticking out. I saw the flight or, or the knocks, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like when you're adrenaline pumped, you know, 10, 15 minutes after you shot at a bull and you thought you hit it, you're going to be like, I know I hit that thing. You know, like you're only, you're only looking for red spots on the ground. Like it's, it's tough. And who knows? Like, I feel like I made an educated shot as well as Rams. You probably did too. And it's like, I always look back on it. Cause like, I didn't know the bow information then that I know now. Like I use smaller diameter arrows because they, they fly better. They have better penetration. Um, I use a different kind of broadhead. I use the hell are the ones I use? Trocar. Trocars, yeah. Muzzy trocars. And uh, like I have my setup is like this was the situation. This hunt. And like it made me feel like shit. Like I, like I felt. Oh, dude. I was so sick to my stomach on that drive home. Yeah. Like I, mean, I, I didn't. 
you were the best hunting partner that day, dude. Like, I couldn't have had anyone else. I mean, besides, like, Josh, who's on the phone, like, dude, I'll come up there right now and help you. <laughs> but, like, you that day, like, you put in so much hard work along with me to, like, find this bull. I was trying to find that bull that I shot, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how you know you're an ethical hunter, if that's how you feel after. Oh, yes. dude, I was literally no worse feeling. We were driving Seriously. home. And he's like, do you want to stop and get food? And we're both just like, I nah. can't eat right now. Yeah. It's a it's, it's a feeling that lasts for a long time. And you just feel And I still, like, when I think about it, I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah. And, and it, like, every time we go out there, like. I look forward to it. You have still, to be like dude, that, though. That was three years right? ago almost now, and mm-hmm. I still look forward. I mean, you seriously have to be like that. Yeah. I mean. At the end of the day, I wanted to go home knowing I did everything I absolutely could. Which. And- and but at the same like, time, but at the same time, when you, you say you have that, to though, know when to stop. No, at the same time, you don't want to stop. I mean, right. like, of course you do, but like after a situation like that, you're like, I don't want this animal suffering. So just tell them the shitty part of the situation. Like, okay, so the the guy that that we have permission through, like, we don't have permission through. Like, we're only able to hunt there because the other guy... Well, it's Matt. Like, we only get to hunt there because Matt's there. And, uh... Like, he had to leave for work, He had right? to leave for California. Okay. And so, like, what sucked for us is, like, we're out there. Like, like of course, we're... Like, we treated it like we were on a forest service and shot this bull. Like, we're just gonna hike and hike and hike and chase blood till we can't chase it anymore. And we got to this point where it was like, what? We couldn't find... It's just stopped. And we couldn't find blood for, like, a 200-yard circle radius. Couldn't find blood. And so, like, I think what sucked for us, Ramsey, was, like... We had to leave. Like, not that we had to leave. It was just, like, we don't know, like, where else we could... Like, we don't know the property well enough... Right. To, like, go to, yeah. like, maybe where it would snuck off into. Like, you Dave, be- Dave would probably know, like, well, a that, good spot to go That's a, That's the thing, though. Like, you, you guys had that instance on a private hunting land like on public in your mind the thing you're thinking is like do i have enough food to stay out here or do i have the shelter to stay out here and stay for another two days because an ethical hunter you know wants to stay there to find that that big game big game animal that they shot at and they know they hit i mean well, the, it's a tough decision i feel like mentally well like, and we were capped too because like we couldn't come back the next day because like we don't we just like don't have permission well, it was a sunday yeah we just, like, just don't have permission to come I'd out there without, without, right. without the the landowner permission right and i mean what do you do the we, crazy we thing is is like they're out there like it was hunting season so they're guiding out there and they had clients that entire next week never saw crows coyotes nothing so like that thing had to be just, and you never know that bull could still be alive. I've right. seen people kill bulls with broadheads stuck in them. Oh, well, that was Matt's. Matt really, oh, yeah. like drove it into us that it was probably still alive. And then like, cause yeah, cause we we got to we were blessed to have like this one like weekend a year. Like we get in there before Matt starts guiding archery guys, and uh, so like the whole like the no one ever found, and then only so I lost the bull that year. And then they had a client lost the bull, and then they shot two. And that was all they had that year. And it was crazy because we saw, like, elk every time we went out there. But I guess what was really tough, too, is, like, so let's say they have clients leave or something. Like, we could ask for permission to come back out if we wanted to. And, like, once you shoot an elk out there, 
like Dave's old school rules, like you shot your elk out here. You yep. know what I mean? Punch your tag. Yeah, you punched your tag. So whether you whether you like yep. in our scenario, you got it or not, you're done. You so it was one, like, it's probably dead. Go cut your tag. Yeah. And so that was what was kind of like also really sad for us is like we had like felt like we had accomplished that, but like we're not gonna be able to hunt the rest of the year because well, it's on this spot. And I, I was lucky enough that they like gave me a little bit of slack and let me come back out, but I ended up coming out and it was the weekend Matt that shot had shot his bull and right. uh we woke up in the morning and there was eight inches of snow so we had to leave because <laughs> you can't like get the trucks out unless you leave yeah. that that's a sucky situation and a lot of lessons learned i'm sure but don't like it's just one you don't want to dwell on because i guarantee every archery hunter is going to experience that at some point if you do right. it long enough everyone i know that i archery hunt with has had something similar would you say that it like shouldn't get to you um, until you uh, like have that problem multiple multiple times, then you should really kind of yeah. Consider. Oh yeah. Then then you got to start thinking like, what am I doing? Yeah, and that's why I changed up right. like the next year. Uh, Donald Trump bought me a new VXR, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's Dude. my Matthews. Then you got to start thinking like, when I'm practicing, where's like when am I like within like a three or four inch group? Once I start spreading out from that. I probably shouldn't shoot that far because when you're I hunting, th- that six-inch group turns into a ten-inch group. You know what I feel like though, with with especially archery, like you can go into this with rifle a little bit, but with archery, I feel I feel like you need to practice in like shitty, shitty situations, Is that like, like sitting down, kneeling, high winds, whatever. You just need to be able mm-hmm. to calculate that in your brain. And have that muscle memory. I feel like that is a huge factor that... I totally agree. Like, when I... If it's raining and windy outside, I'm like, perfect. If I can hit the target at a three-inch group when it's like this, when it's calm and shit, I was going... It's going to be like nothing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I, I do feel like, though, that... You can practice in wind and rain and think you're accurate, but... I feel like... Oh, it's completely different when you draw back on an animal. At the same time, like, you could assume, like, yeah, I'm practicing in, you know, 11 mile an hour wind, right? Which you can feel 11 mile an hour wind. When you go out and you're like, oh, this is a this is exactly a 11, a mile, 11 mile an hour wind. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then you go and you pull back and it's like, holy shit, this is more like... 25 30 mile an hour wind and you're like it's just tough because i mean that moment when you draw back on an actual animal animal holy cow but it's like an enemy you know what i mean but it's 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 tough because that adrenaline that comes through you is like you don't really get your situation perfectly like you don't like mentally you're not you're just not there, you know? I don't know. I mean, like, with Josh here, who's someone who's like, what you, how many things have you shot with your bow? The whitetail, two antelope, and an elk? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, something like that. Uh, tell me if this is... So, I've, I've shot and missed, like, half a dozen mule deer at different ranges, like, growing up. Like, that's kind of what we basically hunted with our bows growing up. And it was... Have you, do you have this experience, too? Like, when you're shooting an elk, it's, like, so much different for some reason? Like everything about it is so much different. Like you're like the passion. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. No, I can totally agree with that because I, the mule deer that I have killed, 
in my life. I'm like calm, cool, and collected. But I mean, you've been there when I've been yeah. scoped down on an elk, and it's like a totally different. But scenario. I wouldn't say like every situation I've been in since I got to like hunt better properties. Like I'm always like thinking every single good thing process through my head. It was just like something about like shooting at an elk for me and like landing on one was just like such a different experience to me than any other bow like archery thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. I don't know why they're bigger animals. It should be easier. I'd say elk definitely make you the most like your adrenaline's kicking, but any animal, especially bow they're within bow range. They're close. So you're, you're nervous and your adrenaline's kicking. And I noticed like, I almost like black out right. with bow, not rifle. I can focus and like calm myself down bow. It's like that last 30 seconds. I don't even remember it. Cause like your mind just shuts off and it's all muscle memory. Do you think it's cause like, as far as like deer to elk, do you think it's like, because elk are so much more, I mean, in the state of Montana, they're, they're so much more of like a majestic animal that like most people don't actually get, to see in wildlife type of deal and, and they're bigger than you think like when one's within 30 yards you're like oh my that's bigger like mm-hmm. that's taller right. than me yeah it's just it gets your adrenaline pumping so and- to kind of finish i guess on the whole the the josh adamson volume the josh adamson volume one yeah volume one he'll be <laughs> back he'll be back shit. for sure but we'll finish up uh basically on his march march tour with us um consensus on what we've talked about because it's coming all together do you think that this was a good opportunity for us to really realize how we could be better as outdoorsmen and it starts with like like monday us all coming together and like getting back into the gym like on a good regiment and then like i know sean's super interested in like the shoot what is fucking cam haynes deal do the hundred arrows a day? No, it's like the the lift lift run shoot deal or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know Sean's been super interested in like really implementing that, and I think we could all benefit from uh, mentally, like I don't know, just getting in the right position for this. Next, this there, could be a good year for all of us. There's more than just one thing when because I know Riley always always talks about this because it's a huge part of his life is like sharpening the best tool that we have as hunters there's more than just sharpening your body I feel like in that mentality you you are building your body to be capable to withstand what you want to put it through but at the same time you're not when you when you're drawing back on an animal you're not sitting there at your house or wherever you're shooting where you've been comfortable sitting down standing and you're relaxed out not out of breath and shooting there's a difference between you have hiked four and a half five miles and you're heavy breathing your ass off right and you need to make an accurate shot on an animal to have a very very ethical kill or if you're like josh so uh josh and i remember our buddy uh, tanner from high school they're they're big runners i feel like if i remember correctly they're big uh to get in position they're big runners so they're always right you're getting to positions where you're you're deep breathing pretty heavy yeah <laughs> so off sprinting i mean like how like not to drag this on but like how difficult is it in in that situation to actually like calm your breathing because breathing is huge and drawing a bow i mean mm-hmm 
It's so hard. No, I can't even do it. Like if I run, I got to take 30 seconds to a minute to like just catch my breath. Right. And that's another place like you can get yourself to a point where you don't need, you don't need that 30 seconds to a minute. Right. Good which, to go. which is hard because I mean, obviously you can't shoot in town, you know, whatever. But like if you can push yourself to that point where, you know, you have the environment to work your body. And be able to be at a higher heart rate and draw a bow back and shoot accurate, accurately, it's it's huge. I mean, mm-hmm. plenty of instances where your, your elk hunting is you're out of breath and you got to draw back. Those are the guys that are most successful that you see. They're doing that kind of practice year right. round. Because to them, the next tree line isn't a thing. They're there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Well, Josh, I thanks for making us uh, really open up about our our outdoor lives and um, being able to. Gosh, I think we should like consider we just come in here for six hours one day and we can hang out like, the whole season, see a whole season, whole season. Well, minus the uh, Josh also. Josh also brought like a ghost and like a bunch of weird other yeah, shit with him because yeah. we had to stop the podcast. The amount of like shit issues. that we've had to deal with with the audio, it, you guys will never hear it. Yeah. But I have been so frustrated the last two recording <laughs> sessions that I want to throw this recorder through the guy. Yeah, right errors, cats coming in here, stuff falling down, random bottle just right? broke in here. <laughs> Riley's got like two full days of editing. Yeah, this, even this fun podcast, I'm going to have to edit a bunch again, but... <laughs> Uh, thanks again, Josh. It really means a lot to have you on. It's uh, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having. You'll me probably guys. be our first uh, reoccurring guest, I would guess. But. I hope so. I had a lot of fun talking to you guys. Be so. awesome. We got bi- we got big plans, and I feel like Josh is involved. Absolutely, I want to be a part of it. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it happen. Any final thoughts, Josh? <laughs> no, say them out loud. Don't just think them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? <laughs> Just go ahead and edit that out. <laughs> no, that's okay. I put you on the spot, and you kind of already gave your final thoughts. So yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, we'll move it on. So uh, we'll probably catch you. I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but catch uh, you on the next one. We'll catch you on the next one. Uh, <laughs> actually, up. we will catch you on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> later, See folks. Later. That's all for today, folks. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Make sure to download and listen to the Bull Mountain Brothers podcast. You can catch us on Spotify and Apple Music. Don't forget to check us out on social media for more daily content. Links in the description.